Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome, rugby fans, to another great episode here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. This is the Run, Pass, or Kick interview with your team, Ty Braga and Rob Hammerschmidt. We have Sophie DeGoody from the Saracen side in the UK and also a Canadian national team player. Sophie, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Excellent. Well, we know it's nice and early, or is it late in the UK, about 1 a.m.-ish, so we do appreciate you joining us. We are going to put you to some quick-fire questions, but in order to learn on how it works, we're going to hand it over to my colleague, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, to let you know how this run, pass, or kick interview works. So, Rob, let us know. Okay, thank you for joining us, Sophie. It's a pleasure to have you on the show to be able to talk about women's rugby. And in our discussion We always do the run, pass, or kick interview with our players that join us. And it works a little like this for those fans at home that are not familiar. We're going to pose a question to you. We're going to prompt you with run, pass, or kick. And you have three options, just like any good player on the field. they got to be able to use their options effectively. So your options are running with the with the question, which is to say that you're going to go ahead and answer it and and, um, start off on the go forward uh, right away with it. Or you can choose to pass the question, which is to say that it's a hot question. You may not want to get yourself in trouble with that when you're welcome to pass it. Or you can kick the question. And that's where you have a little fun with us and you put us on the back foot, make us um, play the ball from deep in our own territory, so to speak. And we answer the question on your behalf in a manner that we think you would answer. And you can give us a grade. You can be like the coach and, and tell us uh, that, uh, that our answer was was awesome or it was the worst answer you've ever heard, but it. Clearly, <laughs> your choice. Are you ready for the run, pass, or kick challenge? Yes, I think I can do this. I know you can do it. Uh, 
All right. So the first question, and, and let us know what you're going to do, right? If you're going to run, pass, or kick uh, before you answer. So my first question, uh, many of our fans may not know this, but I did a little research with all our guests. I do a lot of research or stalking in some cases. Uh, don't be offended. Um, and it has come to my attention that you are rugby royalty in Canada. Uh, in fact, some would say that you were born into it. And uh, if Scott, who's in the background there, is our producer today, he's going to cue the photo. There it is. <laughs> Love this photo. Um, your father, uh, Hans, won 24 caps for the Canadian national team, men's national team. Um, and he was also a uh, team captain. And your mother, Stephanie, known as Stephanie White then, won 17 caps and was the very first uh, Canadian women's captain. So run past her kick. Were you born with a rugby ball in your hands as it appeared in that picture? <laughs> I can remember that. Um, no, but very soon after, there was definitely one in my hands. Um, so, yeah, I'm super lucky that my dad played for the national team for 10 years and my mom played for the national team for 13. So, um, we, I mean, I grew up going to the local rugby club, James Bay, every single weekend. Saturday was always a rugby day. Um, right. I'd, you know, run around practice when my mom was coaching the women's team. Um, so yeah, it's just always been around. My brother Ty also played for the national team and my brother Jake played for club, had some injuries, so he, he never got to the representative level, but, um, yeah, it's just definitely a part of our whole family vibe. So. Well, I can certainly appreciate that. Uh, I, I'm an old fart now, as many people who are familiar with the show know. Uh, and I have a 20, almost 21-year-old son who plays at the collegiate level. And um, I, I remember, you know, going to the rugby club with the little guy and running around. He's causing all kinds of havoc. So it's it's always nice to hear about rugby families, kind of like hockey families in Canada, right? You had a, you had a rugby family, which is awesome. I feel like they're so typical in other countries, like, I mean, South Africa, where Ty's from, or you know, New Zealand, there's, you grow up with it. So it's nice to be, I'm lucky in that I'm one of the few, a woman that I know that was introduced to rugby at a young age versus most people come into it right. in high school. So, I mean, it definitely gave me a bit of a head start. That Absolutely. being said, not every family has players at a national yeah. level in their family. You know? <laughs> like, yes, I grew up in a family that enjoyed rugby, but none of them that actually represented their country. <laughs> It's like, it's like that, that pedigree, you know, right. there's a few, there's a few American men's and women's team players that are now ma married. I think the Mattias, uh, um, uh, Ryan, uh, Mattias and his wife, they're both national team players. I'm like, man, they would have some spectacular rugby playing children. And lo and behold, we have one right here in front of us. <laughs> yeah. The genes, the genes definitely yeah. help. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, uh, your brother, Ty, great person, must have a wonderful name. So he must be a good person like me, right? <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little like a backhanded compliment to myself there. Yeah, you're very well. Let's go ahead on to the next one as we're having fun here. Let's move on to question number two. Sophie, uh, run, pass, or kick? Uh, you were a standout athlete at Queen's University playing both basketball and rugby. We spoke about this before we actually started that uh, you're obviously are an NBA fan and as well as grew up enjoying hockey. So with this all in mind, Queens university journal named you as the 2019, 2020 female athlete of the year, obviously a great credit to you. I am sure that many female Canadian athletes gravitate towards basketball and hockey. How difficult is it to attract your peers to cross over, to try the game of rugby run, pass or kick. <laughs> 
I can remember this one too. I think it's uh, it's not difficult once they're introduced to it, but it's a matter of getting the awareness out younger because most people, I have a few basketball teammates who I think would be great rugby players and they come to, to watch the games, but they just never had an opportunity in high school to, to get to try it. Um, so I think it's a matter of getting more um, programs in our middle school and high school so that we can get girls involved in it earlier um, right because it's difficult to make the transition in university you can definitely do it but um it's difficult to start off in university so if you can i mean there's so many great athletes in north america so i think it's just getting them introduced to the sport at a younger age and that's something that we wholeheartedly agree with in fact that kind of ties into what the uh, the Major League Rugby organization themselves announced with youth development. And this has been a trend through many of our conversations on, on this show here at the Rugby Rant. And I know that Rob feels very much the same as a youth rugby coach as well. Absolutely. And uh, it's funny for those folks at home, and just an aside, Sophie, um, I'm really trying to work on uh, highlighting the development pathways, uh, not just in the United States, but also in Canada. And I've been in contact uh, with some folks at not only the Toronto Arrows, but also um, Rugby Canada. Um, uh, and we're going to be bringing some guests on to to represent both sides of the border in terms of the pathway development. And um, one thing I know is, and from speaking with folks up at Rugby Canada, Rugby Canada they don't miss players. Like they don't get them. The players don't get lost in the system. Players like yourself who stand out um, are, are caught, are picked up, recognized and brought into the fold very easily. Um, would you say that it's pretty typical of your experience as uh, a player for the women's national team? I think um, a bit major pathway for us is our university pathway. So it's a it's a matter of getting girls into there, and once they're in there, then they can be then it's they're more visible. So definitely, our national team coaches do a great job of scouting players from that university league. Um, we call it U Sports. Uh, we also definitely have scouts for high school and stuff, but it's easier to uh, make your way on to the national team. I think if you are going to university, even if there are other pathways, but I would say for sure we do have um, a U eighteen program, a U twenty program. And then you get into, you know, um, camps with the national team before you're making the senior team. So there is there is a pathway to get girls engaged um, when they're young and then to keep them rolling and to get them on strength programs and to just get them sort of, I mean, geographically, there's always issues, but to get them in regional training groups. Um, so I think we do a pretty good job of that. You know, it's it's interesting as, as you look at the dynamic and compare the United States rugby to Canadian rugby uh, at the men's and women's level, the women and both sides of the border are performing much better at the national level uh, than the men are. Um, but we, it's almost as if they still have a similar challenge and that's to try to expand their reach and try to grow the numbers so that you're getting uh, some of the best athletes uh, to like in what happened in your case, cross over and actually continue with rugby development. So that that's the stems for my next question. So I'll throw that out there to you, and yeah. then you can. Yeah, it sounds like you have a, a an answer at the ready. So, um, so um, uh, run, pass, or kick. Uh, what can be done in Canada to grow the women's game and get more girls to pick up a rugby ball? Okay, well, just to mix it up, I'll kick, and then I can always uh, um, respond. But who would be best to kick here? Probably to Rob. Ha. 
That's well, because uh, you're the youth rugby coach. That's why she was yeah. thinking. Yeah, and she, right? uh, I, I think I just knocked on the kick. So, um, because, because I, I, you know, in in starting my initial research on on Canadian rugby, um, there are high school, there are kids and youth players playing in the youth programs and playing in the high schools. But what I'm not familiar with, and this is one of the things that I want to begin to explore on the north of the border, is if it's built into the curricula, if there's touch rugby in the curriculum, uh, so that kids are at least exposed to it at some level um, on, on a consistent and and pervasive basis throughout the country. I know that's one of the biggest challenges to the United States. It's one of the things uh, MLR just uh, recently announced a youth rugby coordinator. And that's one of the things that they've tasked the youth rugby coordinator with doing is getting kids in a position to be exposed to the game, again, at the touch or flag level in schools and then developing them. So um, I think on that note, um, I, I, my, my, my guess is that, uh, that kids get to rugby through their clubs and that's a challenge uh, is to get them um, to uh, have the pervasive exposure um, to get the reach as and the net as far as we can. So how do I do? I think that's that's really good. I mean, if you think about talent pools, right? You want to make them, <laughs> you want to make that base as big as possible. So um, if we can get it more into those elementary and middle schools, then um, with touch, obviously. Um, then you can sort of create that broader base. And then if you have a trickle-down effect, there's more people trickling through the system. Um, we're definitely doing a better job of getting it into a curriculum. There are organizations like, um, I think it's called Turf Toronto. It's a Toronto rugby organization. Um, so it's just trying to uh, expand the reach in, in elementary school, in elementary schools by getting... Um, woman in rugby to go in and talk to them so i have two two of our my teammates from queens that work for turf and they um go into schools and and just get run little rugby programs or rugby days during p and i myself have done that as part of the queen's community outreach so i think doing that with the university programs and then they have positive role models to look at too um and then yeah the club system getting having a good minis rugby club that's how um, I got started through Casper Wanderers in Victoria. So um, having a robust club program to keep people going through um, is really helpful. I think you can only play co-ed until you 14, but that was really helpful in my development as well. And then ideally they would have a woman's team for you to continue on with. Yeah. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, arguably so, there's a lot of people who believe that one of the greatest ways to be able to grow grassroots rugby is through women's rugby because it has the an incredible upside. Uh, it has an audience that is yet to be engaged completely, and it is the fastest one of the fastest growing sports among U.S. colleges. So yeah, there is definitely merits to that. And on the topic, you spoke uh, you know about a couple of things. We're gonna shift gears a little bit here and uh, get to more of your time where you are now in the U.K. And for those of you that are watching here and don't yet know, this is one of the the few female players in North America that is plying her trade in the premiership in the United Kingdom. And that is of course with your new home at the Saracens. So one of the questions that we had, as you can see up on screen from the big guy in the background, wants to be able to learn as the Saracens fan, run, pass or kick. What are some of the conditions during COVID at the Saracens that they're taking into effect right now? What does it look like being a rugby player during these conditions? Sure. I can run with this one. So basically we have, 
um, we've cut down a bit on our time that we're allowed in training. Um, we aren't able to huddle up or anything in training as socially distanced as possible when we're not in what they call red drills, which are um, full contact breakdown included drills. There are amber drills, which are um, smaller groups with pads. Um, and then there are green drills, which can be, um, you can distance during them. We have to spray down pads in between uses, use hand sanitizer uh, every so often uh, in between drills. And then when we obviously have our own water bottles, um, so they're just trying to limit the contact that way. And then within the league our s- itself, because we don't have the money to test players, right. um, any yeah. knock-on is uh, a free kick versus a scrum, and there's no scrum option on penalties. So um, There's a lot of people that actually might just say, keep that rule about no scrums, but you know, because it slows down the game. But me, in fact, all of us on the show here, we're all forwards. So we think that, you know, it's an integral part of the game that just can't be removed. Otherwise, it wouldn't be rugby. Um, But there has been some criticism about that in in general. Um, Rob, I know you had a a follow up in regards to what's going on around COVID in the UK and how it's being perceived and how it's being actioned by some of the clubs. So let's hand it back to you. Yeah, I was just listening to a podcast this morning uh, that James Haskell appears on, and obviously he's he played with the English national team, and uh, it's he and, and Mike Tinsley, and then um, there's another commentator. They do a really nice podcast out of the UK, and one of the things that I listened to today that they talked about was um, the Babas recently. The, the Barbarians were set to play um, in Twickenham, um, and uh, some of the guys, they had a, they had a, a, a bubble uh, situation, right? And um, Chris Robshaw, who is going to be coming to American Shores and playing for the San Diego Legion here in the spring, uh, he and some of his mates um, happened to go out. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, yeah. the situation, being in London and being familiar. Yeah. Uh, um, I w- wanted to get your thoughts uh, because it's it's pretty controversial. Uh, Haskell uh, was kind of angry at a lot of the fans who were upset with the players, kind of saying that actually – the protocols, uh, although they're they were called a bubble, it's not really a bubble, and really that bubble is rubbish. Right. Um, to be and, fair, Haskell is annoyed at everything all the time. Right. 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 <laughs> Tinsley Tins was a little bit more pragmatic and said, "Look, they knew what the rule is going in. They knew what the what they had to do. They were given, you know, the protocols, uh, and they didn't follow them. So they have a responsibility." Um, where do you land on this issue with respect to the Babas and 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 these fifteen or so players that went out uh, and and had a went out to a restaurant and then carried on into a, a pub? Uh, I did more towards uh, Tins's point of view. I, I just think um, it's a great opportunity for them. So for me, I think if you look at it from a selfish point of view, it makes no sense for them to to break. I know sometimes protocols are strict. Um, and might be tough to follow, but um, it just doesn't make any sense. If, if you're trying to get um, exposure, especially uh, most of the team was English players, because obviously you can't really bring Southern Hemisphere players up to play for the Babas right now. So you're trying to get exposure, um, play in top-level competition against the English team. English coaches are obviously going to be watching and breaking down the game. So 
to then go do that, I think it really probably, I'm, this is just me speculating, but would really take your name off the list of potential English players. If I'm Eddie Jones, I, you know, I don't know if I want that player in my program. Um, so that's a tough one to swallow. I'm sure there's ways to gain his trust back, but um, yeah, I mean, right. I, I would really err more towards Tin's views than, than Haas on that. Yeah, it, what's interesting about the situation is they were talking, uh, and Haskell was talking about the fact that the English players could go home, but your Welsh and Scotch and Irish players could not go home. They kind of had to stay in the bubble. So, you know, there's this kind of duplicity that was happening yeah, within the structural right. organization. And he was saying that that was unfair. And it also becomes a relevant issue because you've got a player of his stature and maturity uh, with Chris Robshaw and being a leader, uh, or at least being perceived as one. You know, you set the standard, you set as an example, and him coming across to the San Diego Legion, what if there are similar conditions to be cautious of going into the 2021 season on the back of 2020 being closed because of COVID conditions? So it kind of feels a little bit of speculation and kind of maybe a little bit foreshadowing. Um, but, you know, I, I think also, like Rob said, for me, and I'm not sure if you would agree with this, it sounds like you would, Sophie, that they knew what the guidelines were, they knew what the consequences could be, and ultimately that's the way that it played out for good reason because these standards, these procedures are in place for a reason to limit risk. Yeah, and I think with Rob Shaw coming over, I doubt he would be making that same mistake twice. So um, if anything... The first thing he wants to do is go to the beach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's the first thing any Brit wants to do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and uh, the big guy behind the scenes wants to know, have you visited the Italian restaurant yet or had a chance to visit the Italian restaurant the, the blokes went to? No, I have not. Okay, right. so you've been, you've been tied up with uh, uh, with uh, quarantine and, and practice, right? Yeah, it's been, uh, I just got out two, three days ago, so I'm uh, I'm still pretty fresh out of lockdown. Gotcha. Right. Uh, this next question is, in, is um well, it's a tough question, and I think it's one that's uh, not just a rugby-based question. Uh, it, it very much tied to the Olympics as well, and it's one that's been ongoing for a number of years. Uh, so run, pass, or kick. Just this month, World Rugby has banned transgender women uh, from competing at elite levels of rugby, citing safety concerns, particularly around the contact areas. Uh, so run, pass, or kick. Should a transgender woman be able to compete at the international level for the respective country? Um, yeah, I can run with this one. I think there are definitely um, safety things to consider, but I've never gone, I, I've played with and against transgender women at the club and provincial representative level in Canada. And um, I've never been scared to to go on the pitch and um, play against them. I think um we don't want discrimination in sport. That's not one of the values of sport and that's certainly not of rugby. Um, so I mean, I'd, I'm not uh, educated enough on the topic to speak to like, maybe there, maybe there are certain considerations of, um, I don't know, scientific limits of testing that you would want in place in terms of like, I honestly don't know. I'm not t- to speak on like testosterone levels or anything like that, but I definitely think there is a place First transgender woman um, in our sport, and I would be completely accepting. And I think most of my teammates would be um, of them being able to participate with us because they are, you know, they are women and they are a part of um, our society and should therefore be a part of our rugby society as well. 
Well, we appreciate your candor on, on yeah. that one because it is a it is a difficult question. It uh, is one, and it's one that's a hot topic. But, you know, just to jump in and just add to it a little bit. So I've been following uh, a few groups, uh, women's rugby groups, and they've been kind of back and forth in this conversation because it's now, you know, it's been trending for a little while. It's a hot yeah. topic and for good reason. Um, mm. But one of the examples that somebody had given, somebody had put it out there saying, oh, well, how can you have this? Because – just imagine a 200 pound plus, you know, a person comes running at you, you know, it's so much inequality and like another female player is like, well, hang on. I'm a Samoan 214 pound lady. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Physicality and it's almost a non-issue yeah. because it's, I don't know. I don't see it having as much merit as other people may think it does. Right. And and uh, before uh, I'm listening to your answer uh, with perked ears here, but I've watched tapes of you playing, and I never saw you back down once from anybody that outsized you. So kudos to you in that department. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I think physicality is a part of rugby. So yeah. right, um, you're going to get that at. I mean, hopefully, you're going to get that at the highest right. level. So you'd want to play against those types of people who are going to be a physical challenge in a physical match. Right. It always helps you raise the level, everybody all together at once. If, if the standard is lifted a little higher, uh, so should everybody else's, right? I mean, you don't just say, I mean, look, for example, you don't just say, hey, we're not playing New Zealand because they're bigger and tougher than us. <laughs> you want to. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but it's such no, a for sure. it's you, point. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm going to step away before we bring the questions down and have a little bit of fun for just a moment uh, to remind the, the viewers out there that we're just concluding with Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And uh, anybody that's interested, that's a fan of the MLR or a fan of the Rugby Rant, um, shirts are available in which uh, part of the proceeds go towards um, the breast cancer foundations like the Susan Komen Foundation, uh, which help you know promote breast cancer awareness and promote programs that help uh, women that are affected by breast cancer uh, through uh, a, a very difficult process and period. And so we want to encourage people while they can to go ahead and and buy your shirt. You get something out of it, and you also right. give to a worthy cause. And to be able to add to that, if you wanted to be able to contribute and get yourself some of your favorite team's merch, whether it be the Sabercats, uh, whether it be your MLR uh, jerseys, and of course the Rugby Ranch shirts, you can go and check them all out at therugbyshop.com. They are our partners on board here. They are the partners for the merchandise for the whole of the Major League Rugby as well. So they are working with them on that breast cancer awareness. Again, go and check it out at therugbyshop.com. All right, now we're gonna we're gonna make your life a little easier here, but have a little fun in the process, right? We're gonna take this serious tone away for a moment. Uh, this uh, we've introduced this just recently, so we love this piece of uh, run pass kick. It's called the quick tap. Uh, it shouldn't shouldn't be um, a foreign to any good rugby player. The quick tap segment. Basically, I'm gonna throw an either or scenario at you, and you tell us which one you would choose. Okay, and and you're welcome to go ahead and kick it back to us if you want. By the way. Just okay. have a little fun with us. So, all right. So you ready for quick tap? Yeah, let's do it. Definitely should. All be right. Forward. So here we go. It's indulgence night. Are you going pizza or ice cream? Uh, ice cream. Ice cream. Hey, what kind? I'm a plain and simple vanilla girl, but that's definitely my guilty pleasure. Gotcha. Guilty pleasure. <laughs> I like to hear that. All right. Uh, what about um, you, you're now a professional player and there's a dealer sponsorship. Uh I couldn't think of any British cars that were with any or grain of salt. So I went with uh, Chevy's. Uh, would you, would you take the Camaro 
or the Silverado? Uh, Camaro. I feel like, yeah, I don't know I, that name. I'm not a big cargo, but that name sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Just go with the one you know. Yeah, yeah it's it's faster than the truck, so we can only assume that you like to that you don't mind going fast. Yeah. All right. So you got a holiday coming up. Mountains or the beach? Uh, kick just to make it interesting. Um, I think you're a, a rugged, a rugged individualist. I think you're going with uh, the mountains. Going to do a little hiking. Going to have a little fun. You're going to probably take a dog with you, right? Uh, ten out of ten. Good answer. I would definitely. Out, there we go. I'm awesome at this game. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was on fire today. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Two more here. Uh, movie night. Are you going rom com or action? Uh, rom-com. I like to keep it lighthearted. All right. What's your favorite? <laughs> um, I don't even know that I have a favorite. I like those like Valentine's day where there's all those different stories and then they intertwine oh, I love and they come together in the end Yeah, and, yeah. and everybody's happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We need a we need a little happiness right now under these <laughs> conditions, right? My wife always complains that like whenever she picks a rom com, I'm always like, oh, really? And then yeah. like I'm so intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> so no, um, I guess everybody likes it. And and Ty's got a baby on the way, so I have a feeling there's going to be a r- lot of rom coms uh, going on in his house here very soon. Right, right, right. <laughs> All right, don't get to choose much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> All right, one last one: date night, downtown swank. Or local mom and pop? Mm, local mom and pop, you can probably get some. If there's like a good find there, then you could you could really get like a local treasure. Okay, what's your what's your go-to local treasure if we're traveling to BC? Um, we always go to the Fernwood Inn in Victoria. I'm from Victoria, so okay. um, that's a local one nearby for sure that we would um, meet it up. Nice. Like to hear that. Give a plug to the local mom and pops. They need need, need everybody's business, right? Yeah, definitely right now. Exactly. Okay. Um, I've been alluding to it throughout the conversation, um, but I watched a video from Flow Rugby entitled Sophie uh, DeGoody, the most versatile player in women's rugby. Have you seen this one? I don't think I have. Oh, you got to check it out. Uh, I think you would. I think you would really enjoy it. Watch the um, mixtape. Yeah. Um, anyway, You're big it was, <laughs> yeah. I swear it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Uh, I, I just saw it. Um, it was an impressive highlight reel. Uh, and as a matter of fact, um, my question is this: a run pass or kick? Should it be retitled as the most versatile player in rugby? Oh, drop the women's. Yeah, drop the women's. Yeah, I mean, my goal for sure is to be the best player in the world. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely relative. If you're probably not going to be able to go one on one against like an RD Savia um, for that eight man position, but if we're talking relative, I want to be the best player in the world, men's or women's. Yeah, and by the way, I've never seen, and I'm a fan of the Hurricanes, and I'm a fan of Artie. He's one of my favorites. Never once have I seen him kick a penalty or kick a, uh, a conversion. And, uh, I know that you have. Yeah. I'm one up already. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So you got something over in Artie. Yeah. So if, if he's listening from Australia, yeah, look out, she's coming. Watch. She's coming. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. I'm going to deliver the next one now uh, your way, Sophie. So cool. let's go ahead and, uh, run parcel kick on this one. Now you were fortunate enough, obviously as a player, to be able to not only represent your nation, but uh, you had done so at a level that allowed you to be able to captain the sides, right? So this is a question more about leadership. And now you see it at another level as well, 
by being in the Saracens fold and you see it in others. So the question lies here, run, pass or kick. What is the most important characteristic that a good leader should possess? What is your answer? Um, I think humility is really important. So uh, when a lot of people I find when they are elected into leadership positions, then they start to change their personality. Um, but that's not what got them into a leadership position in the first place. So it needs to be authentic. Um, and I think people who have humility are able to be more authentic and to deliver their messages in a way that gets across because they're not um, faking anything. Yeah, right. Look at that. With that, uh, with your young age, already so much wisdom, right? <laughs> I wish I wish many people would give that answer, right? But we've all had bad leaders. <laughs> yeah, and and, and I, I was going to say, as soon as you said humility, immediately sparked for me uh, something that really rings true. And it's I always have a saying. I've said it to my son who's playing in college. I've said, never ask anybody else to do something that you won't do yourself. Right. And that really speaks to that humility that you talk about. So we really appreciate those those leadership words and that pearl of wisdom. Um, So um, this next question is kind of a tough one. Um, And if Scott, if you could cue a photo and I'll let Sophie take a moment to just have a glimpse at it. I don't know if you've seen this. This is going to be my first pass. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying. You can kick it too. You can kick it too. So this was recently posted on Twitter and the post uh, by actually a national team, a U.S. national team player, Kate Zachary, um, it really posed the question, you know, there you've got the Irish men's national team with the new shirts. Uh, and they're obviously their, their players, Bundia Key is one of them. Uh, yet on the other side for the women's shirts, uh, they are models. And so my question is, um, you know, women's, you know, is there a double standard here uh, in rugby? Um, I'll kick this one and then I can always add on to it because there are definitely some thoughts to consider here. But um, which of you would be better to kick this one to? Maybe Ty? Your choice. I've been kicking a Rob a lot. so. <laughs> I know, definitely don't know if I'm qualified to answer this question, but I would like personally, I think there are great candidates to be able to put up there that are great female rugby ambassadors or just great ambassadors in general. You could drop the female uh, that would be suitable to be able to fulfill that role. I mean, why do we have to hold only the men up on the pedestal there? Uh, they're all just people like any other. Um, so yes, put up the right people to present the right message. Um, and have them aspire to the uh, to you know young girls to aspire to be uh, to follow the players that lead by example as you spoke about. Yeah, I would say uh, your kick reception, both of you, is really good. <laughs> right, nice. um, <laughs> I was but never yeah. good, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I just I, like why not? Like, what's the? I think right. it probably would have been more effort to go out and to pay models to wear those shirts than I know. Most of the women's rugby players I know would love to be involved in a sponsorship campaign targeted towards um, young women or more exposure for their rugby unions. So um, I think it just sends a, it sends a stronger message um, if you actually have those women there who are, you know, working to right. get biceps so that the shirt fits their arm properly. And, yeah. you know, right. it like, talks about that like, authenticity that you mentioned a little yeah. earlier. You know, and, 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 you know, it's sincere in its message. It's not just something for a promotion or publicity. 
yeah, and display that the that strength and those body types that makes rugby such a such a unique um, game in terms of all the different body types that we can have on the field. Um, right. It's the same in men's and in women's, so we should have that equality in our advertising campaigns as well. I think. Absolutely, and and I, I just want to add, you know, one of the keys, especially for North America, to growing rugby is have the experience that you did, have parents that play rugby, to have a mom that played rugby, to encourage their children and their young girls to play rugby, and not to be afraid to be strong uh, women uh, that advocate mm-hmm. for themselves. Uh, how else are we going to do that unless we put? Um, our current players like yourself out there uh, to let all the girls know this is what you uh, aspire to. Yeah, a hundred percent. My mom was a major role model for me and just seeing, you know, the way she, you know, she still works out all the time. And, uh, you know, I would go and go on runs with her, you know, when I was younger and I couldn't keep up, I would take my bike when she was going for runs and then started running with her and going to boot camps with her. So I think, you know, some people might not have that role model in a mother. So are there other ways that we can facilitate that? Right. So we're, we got two questions left. So we're bringing this to a close, but on the, on the back of that last question, here's the next one. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes, but I'm going to ask you to imagine for a moment um, you have finished playing a hard fought match against the United States or perhaps in rugby world cup 2021 right? In New Zealand. And as the crowd celebrates your performance, uh, a young girl spots you and she's wearing the Canadian national team jersey with her Sharpie in hand. You jog over to give that little girl once in a lifetime experience by signing her jersey. As you do so, she says to you, I want to play for the national team too. What is the Beth pass, Beth, best path to make this happen? Run, pass, or kick? Um, I can run with this. Um, I just, I think you have to, she obviously would have a goal. She has a goal in mind. And so something that I live by is your goals dictate your actions. So once you've established that goal, then what are your daily actions and your daily habits that are going to reinforce you or reinforce that and get help get you closer to that goal. So whether it's, you know, eight hours of sleep a night. So for me, I don't, I got four hours on one side of this and four to five on the other (laughs) on the other side of it but trying to get that eight hours of sleep a night um your nutrition habits you might have to make some sacrifices along the way but ultimately they'll help get you closer to that goal so that would be the piece of advice i'd give her awesome answer you know i've i've uh i keep referring to my son but you know i'm i'm a youth i'm a i'm a guy that loves to help young people aspire and grow in all their endeavors. I'm a teacher by trade. Um, And uh, in talking to my own son, I've said, um, I picked a piece from Richie McCaw in a book in in a book. um, And he, and he had a saying, it said, um, if it, if it isn't written, it isn't real. And that kind of is really consistent with your saying in that you've got to, you've got to have goals and then you make your daily habits a part of those goals. Brilliant. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I actually just did a, a, profile exercise we do individual development plans with Canada and with Saracens but you know you're rating yourself on all these different qualities but it's not just you know where I am currently it's then it's then the comment section and the detail section is the most important part of how I'm going to where do I want to get to and how am I going to get there right got to have a pathway absolutely all right uh one last question this is going to be a quickie uh maybe it might not be so easy we'll see uh as I mentioned before uh, the Women's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand is coming up in, in 2021 in September uh, with, with um, you know, injury-free and, and, and a bit of luck and, and, you know, aspiring to your goals. You'll be there uh, with your Canadian national team 
members. Um, but I'm going to ask that you not pick Team Canada. I'm mm. going to ask you, who is your favorite to win Rugby World Cup 2021 that's not Canada? If it's not Canada, I might have to pass on this one. I, I, uh, I <laughs> we won't hold it against you. The That's Canadian right. rugby public won't hold it against you. There has to be a name that comes out on tops. What is it? Your mom, dad, and brothers might hold it against you, by the way. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I might have okay. to pass so on you this. You can't go home, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the current rankings, I believe it's New Zealand first, England second, us yeah. third. France fourth and U.S. fifth, so that can give you a bit of a ballpark. But uh, okay. I'm going to go with Canada, so I might have to pass on your question. Okay, well, let's rephrase it though. Canada's in the final. Who's there with it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a bit. Uh, I mean, it's probably it's probably New Zealand if you look at previous performance. Um, although you know, being over here and it's it's so nice that the English girls have access to. Um, to Six Nations games. Um, I think that's really big right now to, to be able to have that game and the, their premiership going um, is a big advantage that they have. That said, New Zealand does have their local right. competition running, but they don't have any um, test match games, I don't believe, coming up. So um, that's a big uh, advantage that England has and France as well. Um, all the Six Nations teams, but those are the two major contenders over the rest of the nations right now. Yeah, that's going to be a big challenge. Yeah. Sorry, Rob, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, that's going to be a big challenge for the United States and Canada as we talk about North right. American rugby is not having those, you know, a, a lot of opportunity to get some warm-up test matches under their belt so they can really harden themselves and prepare for what's going to be a tough competition. Right. It is tough, yeah. We even just trying to get um, time in camp, like we can't, you know, it's, I mean, geographically, I mentioned it earlier, but trying to fly everyone in is really costly for a union that isn't the most financially endowed in the first place. And then, you know, say you have a, a COVID test positive or symptoms, you have to shut down camp, then, you know, that's a financial hit we can't really afford to take. So we have to wait on doing, you know, big team camps together until um, things hopefully settle down or till you know, spring or summer when it becomes a must do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're behind the eight ball a bit in that, but I, I know all my teammates and especially region, regional training groups back home and we have, we have actually close to 20 players out here whether it be in in the premiership or playing in france with their quebec players so i know everyone's training hard but it would be nice to have that time together that the english girls do so as a follow-up help us under understand where we are now is obviously difficult to be able to host any live rugby matches but as we lead up into next year and building into the 2021 campaign for the canadian national side what are those steps between now and then yeah, so we, we've split our preparation into blocks, into three-month blocks. So right now we're in our first block. Um, there are no camps in our first block. Uh, normally we would have a November camp or a November tour, but that was um, obviously cancelled. Um, so right now it's a lot of uh, you know training and, and build-up. And like I said, I think we have around 12 girls in the English Premiership right now, I think 9 to 10 in France, and we have uh, one of our girls in down in New Zealand. So we are trying to get people games and back home, you know, Nova Scotia, the East Coast, I think they're doing some 10 stuff right now because they've been on lockdown. So their COVID numbers are quite low. Um, and back home on the West Coast, there's some more regional training groups that are allowed to happen. Each province is obviously different with COVID regulations. 
but um, starting to get back into rugby. Um, and then I think after most of the uh, most of the overseas girls come back in May, that's when we'll really start to ramp up our prep and hopefully get into camp. Um, and I think there's going to be some uh, pack four. So U.S., um, New Zealand and Australia, I think games this summer in preparation for a World Cup. I think they're going to be in Canada, but still to be confirmed, I believe. But that's probably when our preparation will will ramp up in terms of time together as a team. Well, we certainly hope that all rugby returns next year, right? And some yeah. restrictions are removed for good reason, as you know, our communities are less and less affected by the COVID implications. Uh, Rob, do you have any final uh, uh, thoughts that you wanted to be able to share? No, I, I've really enjoyed our time with uh, with Sophie uh, talking about uh, her play, not only in England, but also for uh, Rugby Canada. Uh, and it's really been a pleasure uh, to take this opportunity. And we appreciate you getting up at the early hour to spend a little bit of time with us. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you do ever want to, you know, send that Jersey stateside, I'm sure uh, the big guy would, would love to uh, love to put it on his wall. I just <laughs> He is the eternal Saracens fan. Yeah. So I want to be able to give you an opportunity before we head out just to be able to give a shout out to any of your friends that might be watching, family back home, or messages some of those young girls out there that might aspire yeah. to be in a position similar to you. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely shout out to family and friends back home. I, I've definitely missed them in the past two-ish, two, three weeks. So, um Hopefully it's nice for them to see my face. I know <laughs> I'm excited uh, to FaceTime and see them later. But um, for any young girls watching, I would just stick with that goals dictate your actions type thing. So be really clear in what it is that you're aiming for. Um, like Rob said, writing it down is a great, great technique or telling someone. Um, mm-hmm. keep, try to hold yourself accountable, accountable. Um, and then they can help you along that journey as well. And then what are those daily um, actions and habits that will get you closer to achieving that goal. Right. And it's a series of attainable goals that will build confidence in that mission. You know, those are great words to share, get sentiments and guidance from a young but mature player in rugby mm-hmm. and myself, Rob, and on behalf of Scott, are excited to be able to see all of the ladies taking the uh, field in 2021 at the next Rugby World Cup. And we hope to be able to see Canada in that final, but we hope to see USA there with you. <laughs> That'll make it an interesting one, right? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, again, it has been a phenomenal opportunity to speak with one of the great rugby insiders, Sophie DeGoody. And now we have the opportunity to be able to give you the chance to be able to like, follow, and share this so we can get the message out how great female rugby is and how great an ambassador we have on screen with us with Sophie De Goody. On my behalf over here of Scott, Rob, and myself, Ty Brogger, and of course, Sophie, as our guest, we thank you for watching this episode of the Run, Pass, or Kick interview brought to you in part by our sponsors at The Rugby Shop. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you at the next one. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.